Thank you, Brenda. Good morning, everyone. So nice to see so many people together in one service. And it's almost full house, I see. And it's been wonderful. So today we are going to continue exploring the message in the book of Galatians. Specifically, we'll be looking at the first 12 verses of chapter 5. This passage speaks to us directly as believers, reminding us about the freedom we have in Christ and warning us of the dangers of going back to legalistic practice. However, before we dive into this new chapter, um, let's take a moment to review what we have been learning in the previous four chapters. So in chapter 1, we saw how Paul defended his authority as apostle. He faced opposition and false teachings, but he staunchly defended his, his divine commission. He made it clear that the message that he preached came directly from Jesus and not from human ideas. Moving on to chapter 2, Paul stressed the importance of the gospel's grace. He shared that he experiences to show that salvation comes through the faith in Jesus, not through futile attempts to follow religious rules. Chapter 3 told us about the justification by, truth, uh, by faith. Paul passionately explained that our redemption is achieved through our faith in Christ and not by trying to follow the law. He made it clear that both Jews and Gentiles are justified by putting their trust in Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, Paul used the analogy of being sons and heirs through Christ. He showed us that through our faith in Christ, we are no longer bound by the law, but instead we have become beloved children of God. So we start chapter 5. We need to pay attention to the significance of the word therefore in the first verse. The words, this word connects what we have been learning in the previous four chapters, mainly Paul's teachings and doctrines and how we should live our lives. For so chapter 5 and 6, we'll be focusing on application, how we should, after we learn all this lesson, how we should live as Christians. Whenever the word, the, word, the word therefore appears in the Bible, it often shows a connection between the word of God and the subsequent response by the people of God. In many ways, the understanding of the therefores becomes a bedrock of our Christian journey. This is to say that this sermon is quite important. <laughs> so let's read uh, um, chapter 5, 1 to 12 uh, together. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Set firm Therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You are my law. You have been fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for hope of righteousness. The uncertainty can come for anything, but 
only faith working through love. You are running well who hinder you from obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the law that you will take no other view. The one who is troubling you now will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who saddle you would emasculate themselves. So, Galatians 5.1 starts with a powerful call to freedom. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We have been free from the burden of sin and demands of religious rules. This verse is transitional, picking up the previous chapter, verses 21 to 31, slavery versus freedom, and applying to the listeners and readers in Galatia, as well as us. This verse stands at a pivotal point that resonates throughout the entire of book of Galatians. Being a child and heir is very different from being a slave. As the children of God, we have been set free from the bondage of sin and the heavy burden of legalism. The chains that bound us to the weight of our past mistakes, regrets, and the pressure to compare and measure up have been broken. Through the redeeming work of Christ, we have achieved the incredible, we have received the incredible gift of grace and freedom. The yoke of slavery represents the heavy burden of trying to earn our salvation through our own efforts. It leads to anxiety, fear, and constant striving in our ceaseless pursuit to measure up. However, in Christ, this yoke has been shattered. We are no longer held captive by legalism and self-righteousness. We are now unshackled and can embrace the abundance of God's love and grace. Paul warns against going back to the law to earn favor with God. Putting ourselves under the law will be retrieved from the freedom that Christ has purchased for his people. Circumcision, in the religious sense, signals belonging to the old covenant with the consequent requirement to obey the law. In the previous chapters, Paul has already shown that the law was outmoded. It demands works that sinful humans cannot adequately produce and therefore subjects its doers to a curse. In verses 2 to 3, Paul gave three warnings. In verse 2, if the Galatians are circumcised or seek justification in the law, Christ will be of no advantage to them. In verse 3, they will have to do all the law. In verse 4, they will be cut off from grace. Paul reminds us that the law has been replaced by the grace of Christ. Trying to keep the law won't benefit us. It will cut us off from the grace of God. So the issue of circumcision seems so irrelevant to us in present day of Hong Kong. I'm sure most of us don't really worry about whether a believer should be circumcised or not. However, 
There are still some other issues that strike closer to home. Take one example. In Chinese cuisine, there are many dishes containing blood, pork blood, chicken blood, or bloods of other animals. Some people like to eat them, some people don't like, don't like them. Occasionally, I would hear a brother or sister say that Christians should not eat blood due to the prohibition in Leviticus. If a person chooses not to eat blood because he doesn't like it, that's fine. That's his choice. If he believes the Holy Spirit tells him not to eat blood, then he must not eat the blood. However, if a person is not eating blood because he's trying to comply with the Leviticus rules, then verse 3 in, Galatia, uh, in five Galatia, uh, Galatia 5 tells us that he's obligated to keep the whole law, not just this one. One cannot pick and choose which part of the law to follow. Indeed, according to verse 4, he will be cut off from the grace of God. Moving on to chapter 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul reminds us that righteousness is not a present reality we fully possess right now. It is a future hope that we eagerly await. There is an emphasis towards the future. There will be a time when God would declare publicly and completely that all those in Christ are his people. This is the hope of righteousness. The longing for a time when God's vindication and justification of all his people at the time of new creation. Thus, while we are, justified, we are justified by faith in Christ, our present lives are marked by waiting. This implies that we are not yet perfect. Waiting involves groaning, frustration, and disappointing in ourselves as we strive to, be, to live in righteousness. However, take comfort, my friends. For the presence of a struggle with a sin in this life does not mean that we are lost. Our imperfection does not determine our standing before God. Rather, in our waiting and longing for righteousness, show our genuine faith in Christ. Our waiting for righteousness isn't about our own efforts or following the law. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit and our faith. In this waiting, we trust in God's promises and hold on to the hope that one day we'll be transformed, transformed into the likeness of Christ. The hope sustains us during trials and temptations. It reminds us that our present struggles are temporary and our future glory is secure in Christ. We wait for the hope of righteousness through the Spirit as Paul emphasized, not relying on our own physical efforts or following certain religious rituals like circumcision. The evidence of our future hope doesn't come from achieving high tastes by obeying the law, but from the new life we have in the Spirit. Our waiting is made possible by God's power, not our own strength. Through the Holy Spirit living within us, this truth reassures us that we are still connected to Christ 
and haven't lost God's favor in our struggle. All the good things we do are a result of the Spirit's work within us. So the entire Christian life is a gift of grace. 2 Corinthians 3.17 reminds us, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit gives us the ability to resist our selfish desires and obeys God's teachings. It is through the Spirit that we find the strength to love our neighbors, to forgive our enemies, and to live selflessly. The Spirit produces within us the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It is through the powers of the Spirit that we are transformed and become more Christ-like. In simple terms, Christians can expect to be justified on the final day because of their faith and the work of the Holy Spirit. Their faith should result in actions that please God. It doesn't matter whether someone is circumcised or not, or follows certain rules or laws, or whether they pray before meals or not. The important thing is, according to Paul, that faith should be demonstrated through love. It is not about adding love to faith to make faith genuine. Rather, but rather, faith, when connected to Christ and guided by the Holy Spirit, naturally leads to a life that is characterized by love. The reason we rely on faith instead of our own actions is that our actions alone cannot earn blessings from God. In fact, our actions can upset God because they cancel out the effects of His freely given grace. On the other hand, faith pleases God because it acknowledges and respects His free grace. When we trust God to fulfill His promises and we demonstrate our confidence in Him, and in return we receive the gift of eternal life, legalism or work-based religious mindset where we believe we must work for God's favor, put us in a servant-like relationship with God rather than a loving relationship as children of their Father. When we think about the cross and how Christ loved us enough to sacrifice himself, it reminds of us just how much grace he has for us. Our present lives, imperfect and filled with waiting, are lived with faith in Christ. We believe his love will always be here for us, even though we are not sure about what the future holds. This faith keeps us letting go our worries and fears and also fills us with a desire to give joyfully and share God's love with other people. Faith is more than just agreeing with ideas in our mind or having specific beliefs. It is ha about having a real and vibrant relationship with Christ. It means giving up control of our lives and relying on Him totally for our salvation and sanctification. Faith gives us the strength to put aside our desires, to take up our cross daily, and to follow Christ with all our hearts. It is faith that results in doing good things, not by trying to follow strict rules, but by showing love 
through what we do. What is love? Love isn't about using others to satisfy our own needs. True love finds joy in helping others and meeting their needs. When we have faith, it leads, to, it leads us to experience genuine love because it removes the obstacle to love, such as guilt, fear, and greed. Faith naturally produces true love because it creates a longing to be a vessel of God's mercy in our interactions with others. This longing inspires to us to engage in acts of love. Love is inclusive. And furthermore, it is a driving force God uses to embrace all believers as part of the, His family. That same driving force should also encourage we as, God, as family members of God to welcome and accept one another. In verses 7 to 12, Paul gets stronger and more direct in what he's saying. He emphasizes how important the main problem mentioned in the previous verses truly is. It is about whether, it's about whether having faith is enough to receive all God's blessing or some of the blessing must be earned through our own action. Paul cautions that Galatians and us how serious it is to abandon faith and deepen our own effort and depend on our efforts. We can sense Paul's anger through the tone and the words he used. Verses 7 and 8 say this, You were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. The first warning here is that the idea of abandoning faith and focusing on works does not come from God. It is a dangerous path that leads to destruction. From Paul's point of view, it is not just about choosing a religious practice. It is about what is true. Paul knows that if the belief in Christ's death and resurrection is false, then there is no reliable foundation or truth to rely on. However, if Christ's death and resurrection is true, then establish a network of truth that carries on convincing power. Sadly, the Galatians had been temporarily influenced by an agitator who has discouraged them from embracing this truth. Paul strongly warns them not to be swayed by such persuasion because it does not align with the God who called them through the gospel. The analogy of the leaven in verse 9 is very powerful and teaches an important lesson. Leaven may be tiny, but it can completely change a whole lump of dough. It serves a clear demonstration of the effects of compromise. Paul's main idea is that if the Galatians compromise on this, just this one issue, circumcision, it will have a ripple effect in other areas of their faith. This one error will spread like leaven and influence every part of their faith, changing its very core. Paul's message centers around the cross, which he says sees as an eternal, eternal stumbling block or scandal for some people. The cross challenges the arrogant pride of some Jewish people who believe they are better because of their ancestry. This shocking truth confronts the mistaken belief in their own privilege and reveal the flawed basis of their superiority. 
depending on God or depending on ourselves leads to different results, either life or death. Some people might find the language he, and tone he used in this passage to be confrontational and forceful. However, it could be seen as a reminder to those of us in church, sometimes we become so agreeable and friendly to everyone that we forget to address false teachings. These false teachings can cause lasting harm to both the congregation as a whole and individual believers. Those who have struggled to keep a Christian community alive and spiritual vibrant despite subtle opposition can understand the challenges faced by Paul. It is possible sometimes the best way to effectively communicate our message to use strong and vivid languages with multiple images that not only keep people awake, but also make them recognize the true issues at hand. Dear brothers and sisters, Galatians 5, 1 to 12, teaches that we should embrace the freedom we have in Christ. In Him, we are no longer bound by the heavy weight of slavery. We are set free to have hope and eagerly wait for righteousness. We are no longer burdened by the task of trying to earn our own salvation. Even when we make mistakes and struggle in our journey, let us remember that our struggles do not determine our relationship with God. It is through the strength of the Holy Spirit, not our weak human abilities, that we find the endurance to wait. Our faith in Christ gives us the strength to keep going. But having this freedom doesn't mean that we can indulge in selfish pursuits and ignore the needs and well-being of those around us. Instead, we are meant to help and support each other with love. As Paul teaches us in Galatians 5.13, For you will call to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What really matters in our faith in God and our trust in Him, which we show through love, rather than simply following a set of religious rules, when we only focus on our own action, it's like seeing ourselves as employees of God, doing tasks for Him in order to receive rewards. However, faith doesn't work like a transaction with God. It is about trusting Him to take care of our needs. A mindset focused on our own action, seek our own personal satisfaction from overcoming challenges and desire praise for ourselves. On the other hand, a mindset centered on faith finds, full, finds fulfillment in seeing God overcomes challenges through us and takes joy in praising Him. This kind of faith leads to love. With the freedom we have, we should willingly choose to help and support one another with humility driven by love. This kind of service is not being demeaned or enslaved, but it, it is an extraordinary service, but it is also extraordinary demonstration of the true freedom that can only be found in Christ. May the truth of this message deeply touch our hearts 
and affect every aspect of our lives. Let us strive to live as people who have been set free, eagerly anticipating the arrival of righteousness. By doing this, may our lives shine brightly, showing God's abundant grace and, and unconditional love to a world that desperately in need of hope. Let us develop, develop an intense longing for righteousness, knowing that eventually all our longings will be satisfied. May God bless you abundantly as you embrace your freedom and live with faith, hope, and love.